The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. You heard it. Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast presented by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. Just a reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, hello from the Skycam. We're, all, we're your place for all things Syracuse Orange, and we are now your place for a brand new guest, a very, very special guest it's Lawrence Poetry and Moten. It's SU's all-time leading scorer in basketball. It's a former Vancouver Grizzly. He held the record for points in the Big East for 25 years. He's a great man. He works in the community now at Syracuse, and he is 315 all the way. Poetry, welcome to the show, my man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to welcome a new guest. I feel like that's what we've been missing. I really do feel like these shows flow oh, yeah. really well. You know, me and Tommy, we can riff, but it's always nice to have a third person here. So we're happy to have you. Yeah, I'm Tommy Sladek, Samantha Cross, and we have Brendan Hodges on the producer mic. And normally with the new guests, we, we break down the career. And with Lawrence, it's, it's decades to talk about. But there's one thing on everyone's mind right now, and there's one thing on your mind if you're listening or watching right now. And it was that Syracuse-UNC game that went down late. Tuesday night, one that Syracuse had a nightmare finish, one that ended 72-68, to one in which Syracuse was up 68-66 in the final minute of the game, which is mm. seconds to play. Now, I we were talking before the show about how to how to bring into this game, how to how to how to break it all down. But I'm I'm gonna open it up to the table here and say after a good night's sleep. What is on your minds about how this game finished? Lawrence, we'll start with you. You know, uh, of course it didn't end well, you know, being mm -hmm. an uh, orange guy. Uh, I thought they played tough. You know, we were down 10, you know, in, in, in the game. Mm -hmm. and, and to fight back against a UNC team who's a uh, runner-up national champion, you know. Uh, I thought those guys played really hard. You know, but I'm, I'm big on, you know, when you're home, you got to protect your home. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just lost a little focus. You know, that's why they say you have to play 40 minutes, and, and we played 38. Yeah, bizarre ending. Bizarre ending. I mean, honestly, even still after a good night's sleep, the, the foul discrepancies upset me. The free throw discrepancy upset me. Um, we always say we, we try and bring a stat each week. Mm -hmm. And the stat I have this week is that, UNC took 23 free throws and SU only took three. I think that that's something that upset a lot of people. And I'm not, I'm not ever going to be one to say that the refs cost a game. I think, I think you take that into your own hands and you take ownership of the wins and the losses. But I think it played a factor. And the other thing that was on my mind, honestly, you know, I was shooting yesterday. For anyone who didn't know, I was shooting. I was courtside. So you get a different angle being able to do that. And what blew my mind is, you know, with a minute left, I don't know that I've ever seen this place so amped up. And with 10 seconds left, I was shooting up into the stands. People are leaving. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's how quickly yeah. things shifted. You could feel the entire place had this collective, what just happened? Yeah. And it really was. It, it, it so much happened in the final two minutes. And we'll start with, when, with SU down 66-65. Joe Girard ends up coming down the court, cool as a cucumber, pops a tray, making it a 68-66 game. UNC possession. SU plays great D, they get the rebound. And that's what people forget is that there was that possession in there where there was a great opportunity to go up 70 to 66 in the final minute. Mm -hmm. And Judah Mintz ends up taking a pretty good shot. That thing rattled in and out. Come back down the other way. Jesse Edwards called for foul number five. Mm. Nance goes to the line, makes the first one, making it 68-67. Now, in my situation... I look at this. There's about 18 seconds left, 21 seconds left. He just makes that free throw. It's just SU's possession to win it or it's right. going to OT. <laughs> right, 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 Granted, right. you're not going to have Edwards in that situation, but I'm feeling pretty good. Absolutely. I don't mind that at all. Instead, what happens is we get a loose ball, shot doesn't fall, bounces around, and there's a moment of who did it go off of, but Joe Girard has an opportunity to save it and he makes the decision to save it. It then goes right back to Nance, who puts up a bucket, and in a blink of an eye, this place went from 100 down to zero in that dome as they took a 69-68 lead. So we're going to pause it right there before we get to the, the mince and the flavor <laughs> of foul. And, and, and poetry, saving the ball right there. Saving the ball right there. You know, we were always taught basketball 101, never save the ball and throw it to the opposite team's Mm -hmm. basket. If anything, hold the basketball, and you still have 17 seconds to play solid defense. And get reset, right? Exactly. So I I thought that was a a bad decision, instinctively decision that he made, and it just so happened that it was the wrong one. Yeah. Sam, what did you see from your angle on the court? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, it's like easy to look back on it and reflect on it now. And we watched it even after last night just to really break down, okay, what exactly happened here? But it does seem like it is a pretty rare situation where you would hope that UNC would make the free throw. You know, of course you would hope that they miss it and you're still up. I feel like like it was one of those situations that just should never happen, but it did. And do I think it was bad decision-making? Yeah, like after hearing what you discuss, I, I could see why holding it could have been the right decision, but I also see why instinctively with the amount of time that was left, especially if he thought the ball tipped off of him, if Gerard did, why he would have thought to do that and then realize afterwards it was a mistake. I mean, what would you have done in that situation? You know, like I said, basketball is an instinctive game, so no one really knows what you would have done. But me personally, after looking at it, I would have held the ball. I would have held the ball and, you know, we got 17 seconds to play solid defense, get a stop and we get the rebound and they have to foul us now and we make our free throws. But uh, he didn't make that decision, you know, and, and, and like I said, for 38 minutes, those guys really fought. Bell played well. You know, guys really came in and did their job, you know, because it, it's not all about scoring all the time. It's about playing your role and doing your job. And I really thought that the guys really were locked in at the end and just lost that focus the last two minutes. Yeah. And so it's a 69-68 game now, right? And I believe a timeout was called. There's a chance to go down the court, gets it up. Plenty of time to, to have, a, a, honestly, a solid possession there to try to, to try to get the lead. You don't even need a three. You just need a two. You just got to get, you know, even just get to the line type of deal. You're down one. Um, and, I mean, it was, it was instant. 
Mintz, one of the, I mean, there's, there's not too many freshmen I've ever seen that drive like, like mm-hmm, he does with mm-hmm, that intensity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Hubert Davis, Baycott afterwards saying they know that's his style. They put, a, they put a veteran like R.J. Davis on there, a guy that's going to be probably a consensus All-American, and he was looking for that charge heading in there. Mm-hmm. They talked about that. They knew that that was their game plan. Mintz comes in hard, eats the body, eats the contact, and in the process of that happening, I mean, it was so quick, goes for the Euro step, and bam, rocks him, rocks him. He goes down. Charge is called. They take another look at it. They call it a flagrant. We all agree that it should have been a charge. Do you think it should have been a flagrant call in that situation? Well, you know, me personally, I don't. I didn't think it should have been called. Mm-hmm. But the way they are calling the game now, anything to the face, right? If you get hit in the face, they're going to call it a flagrant one, no matter how it looks. And like you said, R.J. Davis, he he did a great job of. Um, playing solid defense and holding his ground, you know, because uh, Judah definitely tried to play bully ball. We Mm -hmm. call that bully ball. And he tried to bully him, and uh, he didn't get away with it. He smacked him right on the face, and uh, uh, it was was a charge. It was definitely a charge. I mean, for me, I think when I I watch that situation again, I'm honestly more concerned with – I wonder if there were other – other options or other opportunities in that situation instead of, and I, I agree, you know, Mintz knows how to drive. We saw, you know, that he made a, a bunch of great plays in the game. But especially knowing that, like, Joe Girard was hot, you know, the player two before, I wonder if he could just slow down just for a moment and just see what other opportunities could have been available. You know, I wish that they would have taken just a little bit more time. Um, I understand that the clock was winding down, but just to see, can you just get one or two more passes off? Is there someone else who could have who could have gotten that ball in that last shot? Like in the last shot, at this point in time, I would feel the most confident with the ball in Joe Girard's hands. Joe, and even you talk about the the way that Chris Bell was having a game. Granted, they didn't need a three in that situation, but uh, just just something that feels more of like in rhythm with the game. But when you have a when you have a player like Judah that that. You know, I'm, I'm sure has been that guy his, his whole life, and, and he comes in with just such confidence as a freshman. Is this one of those things where even though we haven't necessarily seen that, that game winner too many times, uh, Lawrence, do you see it where he's just going to be the guy with the ball in his hands, and do you, yeah, do well, you like that? You know, I definitely like it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, when you have to crawl before you walk. He's still learning. Sure. And a very aggressive player. Um, and... and, and uh, um, just a solid all-around player when it comes to uh, making certain decisions. But at the same time, he's young, where you can see where some of the decisions are bad. Now, I'm not big with this Euro step. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Euro step can hurt you. And I think at that moment, it hurt him. Yeah. Because me looking at the whole situation, it could have been a drive, drive, just a little short pull-up for a jumper or a little floater. But he was aggressive, and he, and he, was, he tried to bully him. And, yeah, and didn't get away with it, plain and simple. So anyway, Syracuse ends up losing that one, seventy-two to sixty-eight, and it was it was another game, really in the same week, same eight days, that they just had that opportunity with Miami for that quad one win. They had that opportunity with North Carolina, and even though the two teams came in with similar records, you look at those net rankings and everything mm-hmm. with the tournament, and, and they're on two different levels just because of that discrepancy in the, the teams that have been played. And ultimately, 
do you guys see us a month from now looking back at these two games and saying, man, did we need that on the resume? Sam? Yes. I absolutely think that. I think these are two games that you would want back. But moving forward, you know, whether or not they will get a shot at the NCAA tournament has yet yeah. to be decided. At this point in time, do I, do I see them getting invited in March? No. But we'll see what happens. But honestly, you know, we could talk about the last two minutes of that game and what went wrong. But how about this? How about get a lead right from the jump? Like, mm. it did feel like up until those two minutes, honestly, it felt like UNC had control 80% of that game. You know, how about let, let's get up, you know, six to nothing or 10 to two. You know, that's what I'm missing from this team is feeling like there's any control even throughout the game. I love a crazy finish. Don't get me wrong. But I would love to feel like my heart wasn't thumping out of my chest from the first moment. You know, it'd be nice to, to gain a little bit of a lead. And it does feel like this team is a slow start, fast finish kind of team. How do we get past those slow starts? Because it feels like if, that's, if that box is checked, we're, we're talking about a totally different record right now. Absolutely. But that comes from making smart plays mm -hmm. and smart decisions. Some of the decision making uh, at times is young mm -hmm. and you can see it. You know, yeah. you know, but like I said, they they are playing hard. You know, I go back to just games like Colgate and Bryant. You know, like even though they're not tier one teams like you know UNC and Miami, but sure. these are games we're supposed to win. And my prediction: nine, ten, and eleven, eighteen and twelve. You know, in that range, and that won't get you in the NCAA at all. No, sir. And Brandon, Brendan Hodges over on the producer mic behind the booth here. Brendan, you, you put down some notes here for us. A lot of numbers. What stuck out to you about that, that finish or the game in general? Nothing that's on the sheet right now, actually. I went back, and I'm looking at the box score right now, and you know how last week I said that Jesse and Joe, when they score in double figures, both of them, they usually win? Yes. I'm thinking back to it now, and Jesse didn't score in double figures not because he wasn't getting shots up. Like, he, he was. He was just in foul trouble the entire game, it felt like. Like, as a taller, like, lankier dude going up against Armando Baycott and Pete Nance, who also, yes, Tommy, I did check, is another son of Larry Nance. Yes, he is. Okay. I, I was not wrong when I said that, and I'm happy because I would have been yelled at again by fans who, <laughs> for the second time this year. Uh, but no, like with a guy like Baycott and even a guy like Nance, you're getting bodied every so often. And like, as a lankier dude, like sometimes your arms just come down when you get hit, and the officials will call a foul. So, I I really like, like Jesse the way was he was efficient. Yeah. He was four or seven yeah. from the field. He F just first half Baycott seemed to have his money. And there were NBA scouts in the building, and I, I like to think that they were there to watch that matchup because it was fun. Absolutely. But, you know, one of the things that I noticed, and I was telling a friend of mine uh, last night when we were watching the game, um, I really saw the uh, non-strength of Jesse mm. when it comes to playing on a true a, against a true big man who's possibly going to be in the NBA. Right, right. It showed me that he still has some work to do because he got banged a lot and it threw him off his balance. He didn't have balance when he was making right. moves. Four or seven is okay, but it it wasn't balanced. It didn't look on balance. He looked off balance, and, and Baycott really banged him and threw him off track 
where he, he was he was missing shots that he usually made. Yeah, I believe he finished the first half with two points. So it was all Baycott, and it was you're right. It was just the angles yeah. even that yeah. you know Baycott was forcing him into those yeah. odd angles. Yeah. 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 Second half, it did seem like he started to get a little bit more comfortable with it. Maybe that was just Baycott being being tired, whatnot. But you you do bring up a good point where it's like you're going to be banging with some big dudes yeah. down low at mm -hmm. the next level. You, you see the difference. You yeah. truly see the difference. And, and, and nothing against Jesse. Um, I, I truly think he'll have an opportunity. Yeah. You know, but um, from what I see with my eyes, if I'm a, a GM or NBA scout, uh, G League or overseas, mm -hmm. plain and simple. Yeah. I have to. I mean, the only other thing I'll say about Edwards, I I just actually think he's just a really great dude. He That's really the one is. thing that hopefully, like, really in, in his defense, you know, like if any if anyone meets him, coaches meet him, scouts meet him, mm -hmm. he's the kind of player just from the emotional and team oriented standpoint that I I would want him as my teammate. I just, that's just one thing I wanted to say. I noticed when we did some of the post-game interviews last night, you know, he takes accountability. And, like, when you talk about some of, like, the young decision-making or maybe some of those, like, superhero plays that mm -hmm. turn villainous and things to that effect, he's not like that at all. Yeah. He's cool, quiet, yeah. collected. Yeah. I really like his style. Yeah, and I, and I respect that. And I respect that, honestly, out of, out of Joe, too, that, I mean, that, that's a – from a player perspective, like that's like that is one of the worst feeling type games. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to think just because you know you had it in your grasp, you just you just played so hard for forty minutes, and 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 credit to Joe and, and especially Jesse, where I'm sure the last thing they want to be doing right, right is having to address what just happened, right, 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 and right. so for them to do that as as college athletes, I give them I give them a lot of respect yeah. for it because I know it's probably not easy. Absolutely, and not only that, you know, just you know, think um, these guys are four-year seniors now yeah they've gotten better every year mm -hmm. you can honestly say that about both of those guys you know and and Jesse like I said from start from his freshman year to now I don't think anybody thought he would be doing it like he's no. doing now because he truly has a chance mm -hmm. to to make money yeah you know I tell yeah. people all the time you don't have to be in the NBA to get paid right it's all about <laughs> doing what you do and speaking from experience <laughs> you know it's about loving the game and getting paid to do something you love to do there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the centurion lounge resi priority notified and amex card member benefits at select events You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the, with the NIL era now, oh, with the name image like this, do you see a possibility where a guy like that that would normally be leaving after this year, he has that opportunity to come back because of COVID, um, and just maybe with some of the money opportunities here and also just that mm. chance of development, uh, do you see it as a, as a viable option for someone like him to come back? Absolutely it's a viable option. That's what this – world is about now right. <laughs> it's options right. and 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 this portal i'm not a transfer portal fan mm -hmm. let's not get it twisted i i truly can't stand it you know it takes away the 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 the, the loyalty and, and and the uh what's the word i'm looking for the team just camaraderie team camaraderie but more just tradition sure sure the, the tradition is lost now and you know i'm I'm an old school guy, so it's like you can have two great guys on one team and one of these guys might want to transfer because he knows he's not going to play instead of challenging the next guy. Mm -hmm. There's no more challenging each other. You know, if it, if it doesn't work, I'm leaving. 
prime example, and it's hurting him this year, Quincy Garrier. Mm. He looks terrible in Oregon. Yeah. He averaging eight points. He averaged 16 and 10 here, which would have been 20 and maybe 12 his senior year. Mm -hmm. And you leave, and, and it's hurting you. So, so the grass is not always greener on the other side, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> That's lesson. That's his message for the day. No, I'm happy that you brought that up because we've talked about the transfer portal in the past um, during football season. And – that's actually not a point that I feel like has been discussed is that element of, you know, I, I do, I do like it for certain reasons and I, I do favorite some of the time, but that idea of challenging someone, like really stepping up to the challenge when you're that you're in that two spot. Like I was in that spot, you know, at Colgate and, and I'm so happy that I was able to overcome that. Like you learn more about yourself through those struggles and challenges. I feel like that makes you into a different person as an adult working in the professional world, Absolutely. having a life. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that I'm going to think about tonight for sure. Yeah. It's totally, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm split where I, I think there's situations where if, if someone is, is miserable, right. And maybe mm -hmm. it's, it's a situation where they made that choice, you know, maybe they're a Northeast kid and like UCLA comes calling. They're like, I'm going out West. <laughs> and, and maybe there's just that, that whether it's, it's family or, or something's yeah. going on where it's just, it's pulling them back. I, I love the beauty in that. And, and if they're in like an unhealthy culture, they have that opportunity. But what you say, Moten is really important. And it's, if I'm not playing right away or if things aren't going my way right away, the solution for some young athletes is to, well, I'm going to just leave. And what ends up happening some of those times, right. sometimes it works out. Others, they're at, they're at school number four by the end of it. And before they realize it's right. maybe just been me this whole time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's a new time. You know, I, I go back to just finding out that we don't have any recruits for 2023. And that's that, on and, too, and, and that's because of the portal. Yeah, that's because all, all of because of the portal, and you know I understand we have six freshmen now that you know which I guess Coach Beheim wants to give them a chance, but the reality in this world now is no guarantee those six will be here. Right, and that's a it, great point. Let's talk about those six for a second because it does feel like every mm -hmm. game we're getting that mix and match, right? Mix and match of of different combinations of those guys out there. A guy steps up this game, another steps up this game. Last night really felt like that first time that that Chris Bell was utilized to to his potential, mm -hmm. and I like to think I've watched a decent amount. I don't know too many college hoopers that have a Quick a release, release quick release, time. Yeah. Did you catch yeah, that as well? I did catch that. I did catch that. Uh, very, I've been to the practices. Very good shooter, you know, uh, and everything is repetition with him. You know, mm -hmm. anybody, it's, it's all about repetition. But uh, he has a nice shot. He has a nice feel for the game. His mid-range game is good, which is a lost art now. Right. Everything is threes and dunks. That was your bread and butter, yeah, man. Yeah, my mm. bread and butter, man. Yeah. Mid-range killer. Yeah. <laughs> and it resulted in 2,334 <laughs> points, folks. <laughs> Mid-range killer, Sam. All right. Absolutely. I'll take Absolutely. your word for it. MRK. So, so yeah, that's, you know, he, he, has a, he has a great feel for the game, and I, I see progress in him each game. He's been playing better and better, and I'm really high on the guy Brown, mm -hmm. who I thought should have been playing early in the season yeah which would have gave him more confidence in now but uh he's going to be a good player too i mean all all the freshmen have truly been uh playing very well and, and have had uh good spurts within this year that we've noticed some good things from them yeah bright oh, future definitely. form no yeah i mean brown is a stud yeah. i i thought that a couple yeah. games ago. i was like wow mm -hmm. you know a lot of these mm -hmm. a lot of these freshmen all of them have something to bring to the table but i think for the rest of the year it's going to be that conversation we keep having about 
the positive things that they're all bringing versus some of the mistakes we're seeing in their play that's many times due to that immaturity level. Yes. So it's a matter of just getting everybody on that same page and maybe even asking that question of, is there any way to expedite that process besides just experience, you know, or besides just reps? I'm not sure, but I would, I don't know if maybe that means the veteran leadership stepping up a little more or Gerard demanding that ball more at times. Because again, like for someone like Mince, in my head, I think, well, you don't want to, you don't want to take out the fire that he has, or you don't want to tell him, you know, to do less. But I do think that a, like a couple more selfless plays per game could, could put the orange in an even better position. Absolutely. And this weekend coming up, so looking ahead to what's next, right? We got a, a Syracuse team that's 13-8, and 6-4 and four in the ACC now. Virginia Tech, they are now playing a 12-8 and eight team, but record, record in, in conference is not as hot, 2-7. and seven. That's on Saturday the 28th. And Syracuse got the best of Virginia Tech the first time around at home. I think they can do it again. I'm, I'm – at this point, it's you got to grab as many ACC wins as possible. Got to grab as many wins as possible, and I'm I, I can't help but start to look ahead to Monday night, which is Virginia, which is UVA coming to town. And you talk about this team just needing those signature wins, needing those resume builders. They've been 0 for two now on opportunities that were right there. They can get this one Monday night. I think it would certainly help them get back on track if they were to win these next two. So Saturday, any thoughts on it? You got it. Uh, Saturday, it's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. You know, playing Virginia Tech down at Blacksburg, place, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's always hard, and they just come off beating Duke, so they should have a little swag with them, and sure. you know, understanding that uh, if they do what they have to do, shoot the ball well, play solid defense like they're usually doing, they will have a chance. And every road game is tough for us, no matter what, no matter who we play. You know. Uh, in the ACC, it's going to be tough when you play on the road, plain and simple. So you're going to have to steal a couple of games on the road to have a chance uh, at the end. Uh, still stuck on yesterday because 7-3 and three sounds a lot better than 6-4. and four, mm -hmm. You know, uh, but we have to live with it. And, and then we have Virginia, who that pack line defense, you know, we already know, <laughs> they, you yeah. know they're going to yeah. come with their A game and they're going to run their system and, and they're going to try to make it hard for us. So... These, these two next two games are definitely going to be a, a, a testament of how we're going to finish for sure. And I feel like not only do you have to live with these losses, but particularly in a sport like basketball, you have to have a short memory yes. when it comes to this. Because sure. not, not a couple days later, you are on to the next challenge. Absolutely. So I'd love to see them get a row win on Saturday if for no other reason than to instill confidence for when they play against UVA. Absolutely. And moving on to the, the SU women. SU women are 13 and 7. They've dropped 3 in a row now after that 13 and 4 start. This is actually both teams are starting to shape up to have this similar season, right? In the SU women, it's just they can't get that top 25 win. And in women's college basketball, as it's been for a while now, the ACC is just the top of its game, the very very top. And so they're still looking for that. Felicia Leggett Jack in her first season, I'm I'm not I'm not too concerned. I've loved what I've seen so far from them. Um, and so they, I thought they were going to maybe be able to get it done against Duke, but ended up dropping that one. Good thing for this Syracuse team. They don't have those bad losses at the SU, quote unquote, bad losses that the SU men has in the beginning of the season. So still opportunity for them to learn and grow. And, uh, just with time right now, I think it's producer Brendan's trivia time. 
Got some trivia. You down for some trivia? Some absolutely, weekly trivia? Absolutely. You guys lucked. You guys lucked out this week. I had a question that I really liked, okay. and I had done a lot of research on, and then it was way too hard for everybody in the newsroom, and I knew you guys wouldn't get it right. Okay. Maybe at the end of the year we do like a here are the questions that didn't get asked segments that you would have failed at, but. Um, See how we do. Easy one for you guys today. How many University of North Carolina coaches does Jim Beheim have wins against? How many North Carolina, as in UNC? No, Tommy, the other North Carolina well, we I played you yesterday. Meant North Carolina schools. So, so you, yeah, that's what I heard. Schools yeah. too. So yeah. you're saying this I, is I, on you. Wake Forest, I, I, I have on my post. It says how many UNC coaches. I didn't want to say that because that sounds unprofessional. Okay. I thought it would have been more specific. But who? What do I know? Oh, I'm just a man you, trying you, to answer a trivia. Do you question. want the hard one? Yeah, you know I we'll, want the hard one. We yeah, want the hard yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, we, we do hard. want the hard one. Do you want to answer this one first because it's this one's actually pretty easy. Okay, you want to see coaches? It's just with, I mean, when did when did Roy Williams get there? Do you remember? I'm going to say five. I'm going to go low and say maybe just Roy Williams. I'm going to say three. None of you got that right. Mm, okay. He beat uh, Dean Smith one time. Okay. In the tournament, actually, and then he beat Roy Williams. He has not beat Hubert Davis yet, unfortunately. Um, the hard one. Twice. The hard. You guys aren't going to get this right, but I'll, I'll yeah. take. I will take enjoyment in this. Jim Beheim, as you all know, he officially has 1,011 wins. Officially, because 101 of them were vacated from five different seasons during his tenure with SU2 due to various NCAA violations. Nine of those wins came against current ACC teams. Against which current ACC team did the most wins get vacated against? Man, it's just a guessing game. By the way, Lawrence, just to let you know, as I'm sure you picked up, Brendan is our show villain. He's, He's our show villain. Tommy, I'm a show villain with a new setup back here, by the way. Okay. He does have a new setup. He's got some new jerseys on okay. the wall. So... Okay. So nine of those wins came against ACC teams. Current teams that are in the ACC right now, yes. Okay, and which of See, those? See, a villain, the, the answer to the question would be UNC. That's what a villain would do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know okay. what I'm saying? Hey, Sam, I like where okay. you're going, Sam. I like where you're going. <laughs> a villain would be you, like, that's too easy, that it's hard. you got to trick the Sam, villain. Sam, do you, do you want to put that in as your final answer? Yeah, I'm going to lock that in. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> 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 All right, so we. Got I just want to take one for the team. <laughs> Let's see. Can, do you know? Do you know the years off the top? Of, like, can we get the, the years, years that the wins were violated, vacated from? Right. So that's what you're been, asking for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the hint. If you guys want it. And it was the most. Yeah. So okay. the years they were va- wins were vacated from were 2004, 2005. That the season 0405, the 0506 season 0607, 2010 11. 2011-12. This is a good question, Brendan. Thank you. Solid. It took me an hour like to this. find the answer. How to many? This. How many were? What's the? What's the most here? Is it like three wins? Yes, it? it is actually okay, three it's wins. Three wins against a team from that specific time, current ACC teams. If nothing else, you got to say this man does his research. Hmm. Hmm. Is it Pitt? No. That's a good okay. guess. They, 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 they are no. They, Pitt is on the list. I'm tapping in. I'm going deep in. Hold on, let me put you on camera here. Hold on. Oh, you're on camera, Tommy. It's coming. It's coming. Virginia Tech. That's a negative. Oh, man. 
Tommy was on the right track, I think. That Lawrence was on the right track as well. You're thinking old Big East teams. Right. That are now in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One of those was Notre Dame. SU had two wins from them vacated. Okay. They had three wins taken away against Louisville. Oh. Louisville? You know what? Nice win, Brendan. Thank you. You take a win. That was a good question. I take it when I can get it. I enjoyed that. I really had to tap in there. <laughs> that was sense. nice, though. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be back next week. We're coming for you. I'm just letting you know. I'm, oh, I'm, 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 I'm sure. I'm just letting you know right now. Tommy, I will tell you right now. I am ready for you. Okay. I will always be ready for Bring you. Bring it on. Gosh, this man is evil. I love it. <laughs> Any last thoughts from this episode of the Orange Zone Podcast? Yeah, I got a last thought. First of all, thanks for having me be a part Absolutely, of you guys' man. crew. Sam, we have something in common. My nickname is Sam. Yeah? So, so we have something in common. How did that start? My grandfather gave me that name. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he, he said I look like Sam Cook. No way. The former singer. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he didn't like Lawrence. Him and my father didn't get along. So he was Sam. 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 So, so when you call me Sam, Aww. I'm kind of like turning my head because it's like the family name. Sure. sure. I would love to call you Sam, but people. I think that might get confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even Coach used to call it to me sometimes. Coach Beheim and the crew. So, but, um, yeah, looking forward to this. I'm enjoying yeah. it. And uh, Great times. I actually do have one question. Is, is the Bayheim behind you, Lawrence? The Bayheim that you remember from your playing days? Oh, that was before his oh, time. That was a little right? before me. <laughs> but I can honestly say one thing I love about my coach. Now, he used to draw up plays. You know, like like the play he drew drew up for Girardi to hit the the big three. Yeah. And uh, we would run a play and one, two, three cues. And, and one of the favorite things to this day that I love, the coach used to say, Lawrence, come here. So I'm like, what's up, coach? Just get a bucket, son. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> Those are <laughs> the words good. he used to tell poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. Gosh. That's facts. <laughs> you know what my coaches would tell me? Get rid of the ball. I don't want it in your hands. <laughs> Whatever you do, that. do not take that shot. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, last thoughts? More, more of an assist kind of guy? Yeah, more of an assist or bench right. guy. Yeah, <laughs> team morale. No, I love, I love that. No, I mean, honestly, I think my, my last thought, you know, I'll hit on the women real quick since we hit them sure, sort of more sure. towards the end. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out here and say that I think that the SU women are going to win their next game. And I'm going to tell you that the reason why I think that is because Coach Felicia Leggett-Jack I think that one thing that's her strength that we'll see in years to come is that she makes adjustments quickly. She's not afraid to adjust something if it's not working. She wants to admit it right away. She wants to move on. She wants to find a plan B. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for her, and I believe in her. Yeah, and I'll piggyback off of Sam what she just said, and, and I know Felicia personally. Felicia was assistant coach for the girls' basketball team when I was a player, mm-hmm. and I used to go in her office, and we used to chop it up. I, great spirit great leader and i guarantee in five years syracuse will have a championship in the in the acc i'll double down on that man i absolutely love that she said it at the podium when she got hired back in april she's like there will be a championship banner here by the time i leave and And don't you love that you know she commits to it right away she says this is what it's going to feel like if i'm successful here yeah Yeah. love that it's homegrown Mm -hmm. and that's what's big you know even with recruiting and coaching you know you can't go get a coach from california to come to new york 
No. It's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. Different style of a player. Just like I couldn't go to West Coast. Right. So, you know, I'm big on that. You know, I'm I'm still, you got me stuck 20 years when we got Greg Robinson, man. I'm going back to football. Yeah. You know, you can't get a Cali guy to try to coach East Coast guys. It'll never work. East Coast, West Coast. Different time zones, different styles of hooping and football. Absolutely. Let's We're wrap out it up. Here. Let's wrap it up. Orange Zone Podcast. Tommy Slanek, Samantha Croston. Lawrence Moten, Brendan Hodges on the producer, and Mike, Billy Whitaker, Cars and Trucks. Thank you for the sponsor. We're out of here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Peace. See ya.